welcome everybody to another exciting episode of the Jerk the Curtain podcast. This is your host, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my broadcasting partner, the Mid-South Maniac, Corey Kaufman. What's going on, guys? And God, we are back. How long has it been? Oh, it's been a couple weeks, but it is our first episode of 2020. 2020. 2020, the year of the jerk-offs. That's what I'm hearing. That's just what I'm hearing. This, this is Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. <laughs> I, everyone else got to do it. I haven't got to do it on anything yet. So. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we have a platform. Once again, we are back to, I don't know, caress your ears with our beautiful voices and to entertain you as always, people. So before we get into wrestling, you know what time it is? It's time for the slice of life. So, Corey, what'd you do this week? <laughs> Dude. I this week just started, uh, but really up until this week, man, uh, hit up uh, WWE SmackDown live in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Friday before last. Then I followed it up with AEW Dynamite Wednesday. I uh, took my son to both of those, and then I followed that up with Saturday. We went to a local um, <laughs> redeemed wrestling, uh, which is cool. It's it's small, and what's really cool is I found out that. Um, even though he wasn't on Redeemed Wrestling that I helped with, all the guys who were in Redeemed that uh, did a charity show essentially for some storms that went through, some crazy tornado storms Saturday. Yeah. Um, we ended up doing that wrestling event and uh, talked to a bunch of guys, uh, a lot of friends of Marco Stunt um, yeah. from AEW. Mr. Uh, so Mr. Good, fun Size himself. Fun Size himself, yes. Um, <laughs> snack Size, whatever you call it. And, um, no, it was great. I mean, I helped do security there, but it was just cool being backstage and 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 talking to the guys. And and it's just it's just a local show. Nothing crazy. Nothing like to really. Oh my gosh! I can't believe you did that. It's okay. It, it we got to start awesome. somewhere, Kaufman. We got to start well, somewhere. It's, well, it's okay because my ten year old got to be uh, one of the uh, the helpers in the fan strap match. <laughs> at the beginning of the show, so he's standing outside the ring with a belt, a giant belt. And if the rev, you know, if the wrestlers get put out, then he has to come in and smack. If they get out of the ring, he has to beat them with the belt. But there was about <laughs> seven or eight fans. So it was cool to have that. Um, but it was really cool to see all that, honestly. So uh, that's what I did in a nutshell. It was just a lot of re- a lot of wrestling. <laughs> okay, in and around the Memphis, uh, Mississippi area. Um, but it was cool because uh, we went to the AEW show and they um, they honored um, all the uh, Memphis greats. Yes. Uh, for Memphis Wrestling, which is great. Some of them they couldn't technically honor because they're under contract with a, another company, but that's okay. They did. They were mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was great shows all around. And uh, for that being my first AEW show, um, I can finally say what TJ's been saying for the last <laughs> six months is about as accurate as possible. And really until you go to a show live, and I would suggest going to back-to-back shows if you can, it's uh, it's night and day. And, um, yeah, so I'll put it that way, but no, let's, let's get off that. It's your turn. What have you been up to, man? So Friday hung out with Sarah as always Saturday recorded an episode with the legendary Mick Strawn of rabbit hole. Monday, we did a gore and more podcast. We reviewed 1982 is the thing. And of course I did my normal wrestling roundup, which is new Japan pro wrestling, impact wrestling, MLW, AEW, and women of wrestling. Uh, that's my normal weekly watch list and everything was amazing uh some stuff we'll mention later on in the episode which would be uh tessa tessa blanchard's huge win over 
Sammy Callahan at the Hard to Kill pay-per-view, and a recent signing to AEW, which this is a perfect way to segue into our episode. And this week's episode is a freaking banger, people. It is a banger. And I'll tell you why. Because so many people in this match are still very relevant today. And for very obvious reasons that you guys will come to find out from me nerding out. Uh, today's match is May 17th, 1992. Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance at WCW Wrestle War 1992. It is a war game, this match, between Sting, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky the Steamboat, and Nikita Koloff. And that's against the Dangerous Alliance, which is the stunning. Is it stunning Steve Austin? Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning Steve Austin. uh, Rick Rude, very slender, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zabisco. What a fucking team. What a fucking match, bro. I knew you'd like it, man. I mean, you, you told me to pick one. Um, I had to kind of dig through some archives that I had. Uh, I'm glad you were able to find it on the WWE Network. You know, let's go ahead and plug that because, you know, we do get a lot of information. The only there. reason to own a WWE Network subscription <laughs> is so you can do your own podcast. Like exactly. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I knew you'd like it. I mean, having those names in there, you know, names that are already established and then up and coming names, you know, and you hear certain names like Dustin Rhodes. Now you're like, yeah, he's been around forever. Well, this is 92. And uh, <laughs> he has his little spiked blonde mullet going on. And, and, uh, but you know, between him and, and, oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, Steve Austin in the WCW, a very, very underutilized WCW, but this is, you know, just one of those matches. Um, I think at the time he was in, like, involved in a lot of tag team type stuff uh, going on. But it's a, it's a nice little roundup of all the different feuds going on as a, uh, that all segued from Super Brawl 2 and then led, you know, it led up to about a month or so up until War Games, which is just before Beach Blast, which would eventually be named Bash of the Beach. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they renamed it. But yeah, I, I, it was cool. And actually, you know, the cool thing is, is that there was a lot, a lot of interesting matches before that being the main event, yeah. including the dark match. Of this show, which was Diamond Dallas Page against Tommy Rich. Um, oh. Or no, sorry, Diamond Dallas Page and Tommy Rich. I'm sorry. Uh, and they defeated uh, Bob Cook and Fire, was it Firebreaker Chip? I thought <laughs> DDP was only a manager at this point. Uh, this was a dark match. I mean, I think he was. Or is this around, like the early just, stages where he started going to the power plant and they started like converting? No, that's what it was because, I mean, even Tommy Rich at the time was still pretty up and coming. So they were really very green. Just, yeah. Yeah, and so, but I just thought that was interesting. But they had about, you know, other than the dark match, they had about eight other matches before then featuring the Freebirds and, and um, let's see who you got, Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons, the Super Invader, which you probably don't know who that is, but in WWF used to be called Hercules. Ah. Um, you had Brian Pillman. Uh, ah, Flying Brian, Flying Brian Pillman. Brian, Brian yeah. And uh, he was a light heavyweight champion at the time. And the Steiner brothers. Uh, Have you watched his son team? wrestle yet? Brian Pillman's son? No sir. no, sir. Did I tell you what he is a part of? No. Okay, sidebar. MLW sidebar. So MLW has one of the craziest rosters, like, ever. Okay. And I'll for our you. fans, what is MLW? Major League Wrestling. Okay. It is go. a televised promotion. It 
it's different. Uh, it feels like old ECW, and they own they own the guy who runs MLW, uh, Court Bauer. I want to say his name is. He owns the name the Hart Foundation. Mm-hmm. So Brian Pillman Jr. is part of the the Hart Foundation, and you know who's in the Hart Foundation? No. Brian Pillman Jr., Davy Boy Smith Jr., and Teddy Hart. Enough said. <laughs> it is a true Hart Foundation with That's the, cool. with the children of the actual Hearts or adopted family. And dude, Brian has the mullet and everything. Uh, Davy Boy wears the stupid armbands. I wish he had the braided mullet. Right, he needs that. it. But he's a, he's a lot like his his dad. Yeah. Uh, and Junior's Brian Pillman Junior is just like his dad too. It's 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 quite amazing. But uh, if you guys have a chance, uh, go watch MLW Fusion on YouTube. Uh, it's a fifty-two minute show they show on YouTube each week. It's fucking incredible. It's absolutely amazing. They actually uh, they beat the WWE in UK ratings not too long ago. Not surprised. Not surprised. Surprise, 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 as you would say. <laughs> I wanted to say that, but you know. You know. Anyway, back to the main thing here. This fucking match is absurd. And, you know, Corey and I were kind of like talking while we were watching, well, while I was watching it. And we had a lot of interesting points that we brought up. Uh, how young Dustin Rhodes is. How you can just see like shades of his father within his performance. Sting, top of his game. Rick Rude is arguably in the best condition of his entire life. Stone Stone Cold, not Stone Cold. Stunning Steve Austin is definitely stunning, and I kind of wish he was in that shape the whole way through the Attitude Era because that would have been fucking insane. Arn Anderson's a monster. He's the thickest thick boy ever, and he gives this guy a Boston Crab halfway through it. I think he's going to fucking kill the guy. Uh, Zabisco, normal Zabisco stuff. Bobby Eaton didn't do much. Uh, Nikita Koloff didn't do dick. Barry Windham, meh. But holy shit, dude. Like, the double cage aspect, the War Games thing, that's like the only WCW pay-per-view that's being used by WWE currently, correct? Yeah, but like you even touched on, it's it's being used in kind of a minor league-esque yeah. way. Is it NXT that's using it? Yeah, NXT's using it. And they're trying, and it's and it's only just started for them using utilizing that. But yeah. it's it's really cool. It's just it's a different type of match. There's literally blood everywhere. There's small pools of blood because every single person was like, "We're blading tonight." So everybody was like, I'm going to cut my fucking forehead in every single person in that ring. I think even Sting was bleeding. And then like a guy comes like comes in. Who was that? The last entrance. Uh, the last one. Well, I think well, the second class was Dustin. Um, you mean the guy in the Dustin tights? Was that the were like black Dustin blue? was the first. Oh, he was the first. Yeah, it was him. I and was... Uh, was it Bobby Eaton? No, it was it was Austin and Dustin. Yeah, but remember, uh, no, you mean the, the last guy that came in that helped Sting? I was Nikita uh, yeah, Volkov. Yeah, he came in, and as soon Cole as off. he walked in, they fucking uh, slingshotted the guy at him, and he got fucking blood on his arm. So like, everybody had blood on him. Oh, yeah, in some form, yes. yes. <laughs> it was just nuts. And then to see uh, Medusa climb on top of the cage, <laughs> slide down the, the early 90s cell phone, just so she could, just so uh, 
Was it Arn Anderson? Was smacking people in the head with it. And who was on the outside of the ring screaming the entire time? Paulie. Paulie. Oh, Paul Heyman. Go on to make some of the best wrestling <laughs> we've ever seen. But just screaming, hooting, and hollering. You know, being Paul Heyman. But do you have what? What information do you have like prior going into this? Man, well, everybody had all their stuff. You know, like I said, all these feuds. They kind of just put this, these teams together because the storylines were just everywhere. Okay, so. Uh, prior to this, you're going to kind of some of these were kind of escalated in Super Bra 2. Yeah. Um, first one, definitely for sure, because this is the first pay per view that Sting was the reigning champion. But he had defeated Lex Luger for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship at Super Bra 2. And, uh, and let's see, Rick Rude uh, successfully defended his United States Championship against Steamboat in the same pay per view. Ah. Um, while Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes defeated the Alliance members of Austin and Sabisco on the same. So all these guys were very much active in the previous uh, predecessing um, pay-per-view. Um, and then the, the shows like, you know, um, all the shows leading up to that, uh, you know, Sting, Sting was discussing you know, who his next contender is going to be. And then, you know, Vader gets involved, uh, Nikita Volkov. Uh, comes his aid, uh, Austin and Sabisco, you know, do a lot of tag, uh, tag matches. So there's a lot going on back and forth. And Sting even had like kind of an injured thing going on, uh, for a while. But when he came back, um, that's when these teams are kind of thrown together by Eric Bischoff and said, okay, here's, here's what we're doing for Wrestle War and, uh, pitted everyone just kind of in a giant turt, you know, there's no reason like all five, six guys against all five, six guys all had, stuff against each other it's just each individual thing they're like oh let's put them in a put them on teams and let them can we talk about the best friends moment (laughs) you know exactly what i'm talking about now that you're an AEW guy whenever they go hug each other the best friends they all go and hug each other middle of the ring yeah fucking sting (laughs) hugs uh is it nikolai nikita Nikita Nikita, yeah fucking hugs him and i'm just like ah like, <laughs> look at this. You're my boy, bro. Yeah, exactly. it's it's very brotherhoodish. You know, I get that. That's cool. That's really. Cool. Oh, uh, um, sidebar. What do you think of Orange Cassidy? Sunglasses in the it's, I get it. It's a funny. <laughs> it's it's a funny. It's a funny gimmick. It. What was better was the kid that it's went viral. I guess mm-hmm. is that the kid that was pulled out of the crowd that was dressed like him. That when he was pulled into the ring of that AEW Wednesday night that. uh he was pulled into the ring by Billy Gunn. Ah, and yes. Billy, Billy Gunn's like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And that kid straight up put his hands in his pockets, dressed to the T. This kid was probably four years old, went up and tapped the shin of Billy Gunn and did the whole gimmick like Orange Cassidy does. And the whole crowd went nuts. <laughs> and I guess I haven't got to see the video. I watched it live, but I have not got to, get to see the video. But I heard it was amazing. So what was the pop like for uh, for DDP? I was great. It was, I mean, that's what was, I mean, not to get too far off cause we need to do this, yeah. this match, but, um, the pops in general were great, but I'll explain a little bit later why that is for me. And it was cool having uh, TJ in my ear or slash on my phone while I'm at the event kind of keeping me up to date. Well, here's why this is, here's why that is here's picture in picture. There's no you know commercial that there was a lot of discussions yeah. had. So, 
Um, so that helped me kind of walk me through it because I had to have someone hold my hand so I knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> it's, um, these storylines really drive the story. Yeah, <laughs> you have to watch certainly. every week. <laughs> this is our but, soap opera, man. <laughs> yeah. So discussion anyways, topics. It, yes. Yeah. Good. Was the entrances hyped? Oh, dude, there was a big pop. For both. <laughs> I mean, honestly, heels or faces, they both had some pretty extreme pops, especially the faces. And it was weird because, like, I guess people just knew. I don't yeah. know whose song was playing, but they just knew it because, man, that pop was pretty big for a 92 show. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was impressed. I really thought there was a big pop for that. And we briefly discussed pre-show. Why was Sting the only person to come out with her title? Um, I think just because he had freshly won it, so they had to make sure since he hadn't defended it yet that people were still aware, even after the last pay-per-view, that he was the new champion, whereas like Rick Rude wasn't wearing his championship belt because he'd been defending it for probably four or five months. Um, but I was wrong, and the tag titles were not held. The tag titles at the time were held by the Steiner brothers. But you got to think also WCW at the time, and they did this in other factions where um, – you had wrestlers that were on contracts, but they were holding titles from around the world. They could be holding the IEG, IGW Japan titles at the time and the WCW, but you would never really see the titles mesh. But yeah, at, at the time, the only two titles, uh, title wrestlers that were involved in this match were Rude and Sting, but Sting was wearing his just to kind of promote the fact that he's the still new, freshly crowned tra- champion and hasn't defended it yet. So I love the entrances, especially uh, as like, my first viewing because it was like a treasure trove of like, Oh, uh, uh, Oh, it was just like an, Oh, every time somebody would pop up from behind that curtain, it was, was, it's really cool. Well, I knew it was, it was great too, because they all came out as a team. It's not like most of the time where let's watch 12 individual entrances. No, they all came out as a team. And I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. So did the match have good flow? Uh, it was a fucking brawl. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the thing is too, is like, it does. It's just, it's on a time limit. So every, you know, it's kind of like a mix between hell in a cell and the Royal rumble, but everyone's ringside. And then every so often another wrestler gets involved. Elimination um, until, chamber. Until you have everyone in there. What? It's the elimination chamber, but they're not inside. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, essentially. And it's just one pinfall. Correct. Yes. Or submission or submission <laughs> as we know. Uh, so you think the match had a decent flow? I do, yeah. It just it took a while, but once it was amped up, it you know they blood was flowing, <laughs> you know, bodies were moving around. You know the fact the fact that they were going over like a game plan with Polly in the beginning with like a piece of paper, like he's a football coach. She's like, all right, here's what we're doing. Here's going first. You're gonna go second. You're gonna throw a touchdown. Go team. You know whatever. You're gonna hang from but the it, top of the cage, and we're gonna throw a goddamn cell phone at you. <laughs> and of course, my favorite you know, referee, Nick Patrick, was in, <laughs> was one of the referees. So, but no, it, it had good flow. You know, it starts off you know as a singles match, but when it builds up, man, you know, eventually it just it keeps building and building and building. So I like how he just kind of like ran around the ring the entire match. <laughs> right. Ah! Just pointing angrily. Oh, so was the match believable? Okay, in '92, this match oh, was awesome. I had to. I would have to say this match for '92 was awesome. Man, these guys, when they throw haymakers, man, it's the the bumps and 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 the pulls and the, and what they do, like the it's 
What a I don't know. I, I believe it more than what I've been watching the past couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like watching the old stuff. So I think uh, punches have really got uh, pretty lax since the uh, what, what 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 a WWE called that post attitude era. Uh, what they call that the uh, ruthless aggression era. We don't see punches like they like we used to. Uh, Rob Van Dam said the other day that back in ECW that they would just smack the shit out of each other. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. We I mean, don't it, see that anymore. You're there for the fans. You're, I mean, yeah, yeah you want to kind of self-preserve, but man, if you're going to go out there, you need to give it, give it a go. I'm not one to talk because I've never done this stuff, but I'm just saying like, you know, why not, you know, make it look believable, make an impression. And and these guys do just that throughout the entire thing. You know? According to Marcus, you start off. according to Marcus <laughs> stunt, he's got uh scars on his chest from overhand Mexican chops from Pentagon jr. I, I'm surprised he doesn't have him on his face. The fact you'd have to bend all the way over to smack him in the chest. <laughs> um, let's see. What's your favorite moment of the match? Oh, I like the cell phone because I think it's funny. But I would have to say as soon as Dustin Rhodes comes in and like for like a good 10 seconds, he's doing those those punches and the wiggly arm shit that Dusty does. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to say. The entire match was just intense. But uh, uh, I really like her climbing on top of the cage and then dropping the cell phone in. And then Sting like, what are you doing? And she, she runs. Nothing, nothing. I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'd say the cell phone. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the cell phone. Mine was probably... Sting utilized the cage a lot when he was in there, but when he was picked, I forgot who he picked up already. He was gorilla pressing and like Rick bouncing them. Rick Rude. Rick, yeah. <laughs> he was, he threw Rick. So he had Rick Rude in a gorilla press and he was throwing him in the air against the top of the cage and then getting him again and doing it like repeatedly, like almost like reverse dribbling a basketball on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's cool. And then of course he just goes, you know, wire to wire and beat the hell out of everybody with the, with the cage. But I, I really enjoyed that, but there was a lot of cool points, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but also the fact, I mean, you know, when you start off the match, I think with, uh, Austin and, and Wyndham, I mean, it was cool watching those guys just have a singles match and Austin trying to utilize the cage to swing from and like kick him and he yeah. misses. And then Wyndham like picks him up and drops him on his head. So there was a lot of good uh, spots that I really enjoyed, but yeah, the Sting one bouncing, you know, reverse dribbling people off of the cage was pretty cool. For sure, for sure. So, shittiest moment of the match. Uh, I don't know about the third or fourth time somebody's face got rubbed into the side of the cage for blood. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You wanted the shock factor, but not everybody had to bleed the same way. That's true. I mean, I don't probably. I, I thought the lay the lamest for for me was when that turnbuckle post got involved, and like what? Zabisco what with you hit Sting, and he hits Eaton instead, and I was like, "That's it." And then that's how you know. Why did he try to fix it mid match? I don't. I don't think it was supposed to come out. <laughs> what, do do? Like, what do we do? What do we do? Well, Fix it's out, thing. so we better utilize it. Otherwise, we're like we're idiots. So, who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, I wonder if we watch the entire mat, like the entire pay per view, if there's like a reason, like if that corner was like focused on a majority of the night, 
or if like you know what i mean no i got what you're saying yeah but i i could i don't know i mean i've literally i I finally got to watch and help put up and tear down a ring this weekend and if you don't do it right oh my god there's yeah there's (laughs) there's a lot that could go wrong i mean everything's put together with giant bolts and eye beams and so yeah i mean you really gotta i can see where that could come out you know with if you don't put the right tension on it or don't lock it in place. So. Oh, now that you know, quick sidebar, how a ring's built. Is John Moxley's paradigm shift to an uncovered ring on Kenny Omega, was that black eye justified? <sighs> Knowing what's underneath that ring? Yeah, there's not much underneath that ring. <laughs> it's literally giant iron bars, yeah. slats of like half inch, three quarter inch wood, a mat that looks like a mat that came out of someone's homeless shelter, like that to lay on. Like the mats are thinner than what they were in grade school, and we had to lay on those. Ah, and it's made out of like foam, and it's maybe two inches, TJ, at most. So you're looking at iron, wood, half-ass mat, and then just like a couple coverings, like thin. Hey, we gotta make this look nice and velvety or blue or whatever color. Then that's the that's it. That's it. That is it. And I'm like. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this makes me have a whole new appreciation. You know, like, Where's the giant spring at that I thought as a kid was under that thing? You know, I always thought the thing was on a giant spring. No, there's there's no there's not that much give. And so I'm I'm hoping next time I sit up this ring, man, I can take a few bumps and see what it feels like, so I can feel like shit the next morning. <laughs> but, uh, it can't be any different than you know what we're watching. You know, it's I agree. It's crazy. Oh, the only difference is is there's a microphone underneath the ring. Well, there wasn't here. That that ring was loud, probably because the gym, the gymnasium it was in, made it sound amplified. Yeah, yeah. but that's man, there's there's no there's no microphone at the, at the small show I went to, but that at least shows you, you know. Now, the next question is more so you because I am I have no idea what these guys' finisher was at ninety two. <laughs> Look, I don't think anyone did their finisher. All I know is there was about forty seven DDTs. Oh my god, the days when DDTs weren't a normal move. It just it super, you know, like Steamboat did them just Austin. It was just crazy. Like, I don't know. I don't think anyone did a finisher, like actual finisher. No. Other than other than uh Arn Anderson, I think his finisher may have been the Boston crowd. I don't really know. But everyone else is like even Sting's arm bar. I'm like, I hope to God that wasn't your finisher at the time, because that's pretty lame. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I, I'm gonna put a question mark there because I really don't know. Like it was hard to determine at the time. There was way too much going on. Right. Was there any blood <laughs> everywhere? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, sir. Give me some more. There was blood everywhere. There was. So. It was. It was a filthy, dirty match. One could have swore it was in a uh, warehouse in South Philadelphia. Uh, it only took. It only <laughs> took nine minutes. It only took nine minutes for the bloods to start flowing, and then it flowed for an additional like what sixteen minutes after that. So yeah. Was there any match interference? Would you consider Medusa? I, I would consider that because she contributed to that, to yeah. what could have swung the match. It just didn't really. But I would say yes. Okay. Even though she wasn't in the ring, she was being on top of it and and trying to, you know, throw things in the ring to get your team to win. I, I would call that interference, even if it doesn't go your way. Was the crowd fired up? Absolutely. <laughs> they were fired up because everyone else, the wrestlers were fired up. Paul Heyman was fired up. Like it was, it, everyone fed off of each other. It was pretty cool to watch. 
Uh, Sting's pop when he finally got to go in. Yeah. Incredible. It, well, and, and it, it's interesting of, of when they decided to, you know, put all these wrestlers in at what times. Because, uh, I mean, shoot, Sting, when did, when did Sting get involved? He wasn't even in the was ring one, yet. Uh, sec, was it second to last? No, uh, third to last. He finally got in the ring at the 21 mark of this 32-minute match. Okay. But that was after he climbed on the ring and chased Medusa down. So, yeah. He just came in the ring and started gorilla pressing everyone because he was fresh against the cage and wham, wham, wham. You know, that's, yeah. Was the match outcome fair? You know, it's really hard to think with all those guys, you were able to fucking put somebody in a submission move and nobody break it. It was fair. I just didn't really care for it. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. oh, ring post and arm bar for the win. I'm like, that's okay. And of all that match, the arm bar is what won it. I just was yeah, hoping it's not believable. It's not believable. Dramatic, at all. But, yeah. Match but, rating. What do you want to do? Out of five, right? Yep. 4.7. 4.7. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to put that with my 4.5. We're going to divide that by two. Wild guess. <laughs> What's between five and seven? Four point six. Hey, what's <laughs> I don't know why I did math. <laughs> that's a four point. That's, that's that's what I got in my truck. A four point six. <laughs> Some would even say that's small. Uh, wow. wow! Wow! He went there. <laughs> okay, so following up this delectable match, we got a stinger promo. Six man of it. coming soon enough. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting kind of ticked off, though. Zabisco coming out here running his mouth. Talk about trick or treat. I'll show you trick or treat. Here's your trick. Here's your treat. Otherwise known as the coma and the morgue. You got your choice. Calling me a little kid, too, Zabisco. It's going to be embarrassing for you to be beat by a kid. You know what I'm saying? You blew it for yourself. And hot pup, when you walk that little butt of yours out into the ring and you feel the wrath of the stinger, the scorpion buddy, and you look up and you see those lights in your eyes and you ask yourself, why did I get into this business? Especially with the stinger looking over me like he is. Oh, and it's going to feel good too. You're not going to stand a chance of getting out of it. And that big lug of nothing. Steiner. I'm coming for you too. That's all I got to say. Starcade. Shytown Heat. The biggest night of my life. The best athletes. Everyone's been shooting their mouth. I've had my chance to shoot my mouth. And I ain't going to shoot no more because I'm just going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Sting. Sting. What the fuck? Okay, for one, I'm going to have to clean up that audio like a motherfucker. Uh, two, wow, was that intense. <laughs> well, that, like I said, that was one of his first times he could really cut loose on a promo. And at the time, I think it was 91, and he was cutting on Rick Flair. Or no, he was cutting on Zabisco, but the reason was, was because Larry – was the, the whole play was that Larry wanted to challenge Rick for the title. Yeah. And then Sting kind of got given the title shot. And so Larry's like, 
why do you get it? You're just a kid. And, and you know, I've been chasing flyer for 15 years and, da, 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 and I'm going to take you to Larry land and all this other stuff. But it's cool because sting really fed off of this. But what cracked me up is like, he was so into it. He almost did it. He's like, uh, and we, what the, what the fans don't know is when the sting says, I'll show, here's a trick and here's treat. And he's holding up his fists, you know, naming his fists really old school. And then he goes, Oh yeah. Well, how, how about, uh, the coma and, and, and uh, the morgue. Yeah. That's what I'm going to call my hands when I beat you up. <laughs> and I just was like, I, it was cool. I think he was just so excited. It was hard for him to kind of, but, but it, it that's pure. That's you can't get more pure than that. He just does. He's like, I got to figure this out on the fly. And, and that's when he first started doing his little, even though he does a woo, it's more like in that. I think he was going, you or something. He was like, he was just so fucking fired up. So high, man. And you know, he called out Rick Steiner too, but he was calling out like Flair and Sabisco and Steiner all at once. And so it was, you know, it's so cool, but different from that sting to sting seven years later. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like he's not hiding and like being doing creepy vignettes. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I mean, at the time, I mean, just, it but, was a uh, different time in the business and the crow. Well, and what, what a lot of fans don't know is, is how envious uh, TJ is of stings legs at the time. So, Oh my God, the <laughs> dude has legs like a tree trunk. He is nothing but legs and it's absurd. He's got legs. He knows how to use them. TJ. He does. Literally, that's how he gorilla press Rick Rude. Like, that fucker. He just. Do you even squat, bro? Oh, yeah. I squat Rick Rude. <laughs> like, <laughs> the ravishing one is mine. Anyway. Oh, that was great. That was a fucking interesting promo. I'd like to see more stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's out there. So, you know what time it is? News blast, sucker. There we go. Uh, AEW recap. What all matches did you see? All of them. All of them. <laughs> so uh, we got Dustin Man. Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, Sammy impressed me. Um, I still don't think he weighs 185. I think he weighs 110 soaking wet. He's but his character was, He's my size. It, it, yeah. His his character was cool. I mean, I've seen videos of him, but seeing him actually wrestle, I was, I was pretty impressed. Dustin um, still got it. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun to watch him just how he sells stuff and, and uh, just, he's real smooth, real smooth. And, and, you know, he's been obviously taught well and had a shit ton of experience. So it, that was fun. It was, it was a good match for sure. Hangman Omega versus the Lucha brothers. That was amazing. Um, a lot of cool back and forth. A lot of uh, the Lucha brothers are, man, they're fun characters to watch. But the back and forth is great. I like the loose characters' charisma and their little, just how they go about things and teasing people back and forth, you know. Um, but then, of course, when the match was over, um, you know, Kenny did his thing, but, you know, uh, trying Wait, to think. Are we talking about the right fucking match? Probably not. Now nope. I'm thinking about it. January, what? What was that? I thought you were talking about what I went and seen. Yeah, I don't think that we saw. No, no, the Lucha Brothers face. Uh, Oh, what day was that? You know what? I'm just going to look. Uh, the oh, eight. What is today? It was last week, bro. Okay, here we go. Okay, so first match was Kenny Omega and Paige versus Private Party. 
Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Private party. That was impressive. Dude. What was cool is you had two faces facing off. That yeah. was cool. Uh, private party was awesome. Um, I do. They did some really genius stuff in the ring. How did you really feel impressed. about the girl screaming? I don't know. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I could have done without that, but I mean, the kids thought it was fun. I was like, really? Uh, but you know, cause they had impressive moves, but that really dumbed it down. Did you like their entrance? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. It's so different. Now, is that, I felt like it was, is that their, because what's WWE's tag team that's like that? I don't know. They have, the WWE has a tag team that's, it feels like it's a carbon copy. And what's funny is there was a seven-year-old behind me talking about it. Like a seven, I'm not even joking, a seven-year-old's like, yeah, that's like WWE's so-and-so. And I'm like. Yeah, it is. You know what's <laughs> but, funny is I don't even was, watch that product, so I wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I forgot. It's, I should know know everything, but I don't. Um, okay, but, here's a good one. No, it was a good, it was a good match. It was great. Reho versus Statlander. It, 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 all the interference aside, it was a good match. Uh, Statlander is really interesting. For the first time seeing her and and uh, her little like flirting with people and it weird like the referee out and the everything <laughs> i just wish they would drop that because she just seems too much of an athlete to be have that going on but uh it was a good match i mean a lot you know she pretty much dominated in the interference and all that and but it would have been nice to see her you know take the take the the reign you know based on what you said and especially just getting it. signed yeah and uh i apologize it wasn't dustin Rhodes. it was guevara versus daniels Christopher Daniels, Daniels Fallen Angel. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Great match. Uh, I loved it. What did you think? Again, I, I, I mean, I was focused on uh, Guevara because he – I was really curious to see how he was. I thought he was just a talker mm-hmm. and always, you know, kind of side-type BS. But, no, I was – his his gimmick was good. His, his wrestling was good. Uh, you know what's funny is his gimmick is literally a millennial. Yeah, it's – yeah. It's it's so fucking hilarious. Uh, and, but I mean, it, you know, it was interesting to watch, not really knowing everything, you know, ahead of time. So, the Rhodes versus the Lucha Brothers. That was a yeah. That's what. Oh man, people. That was that felt like a main event. Um, In Memphis, tag teaming the Rhodes. Like, come on. Great entrances, and then, like I said, the the playoff of uh, the Lucha Brothers. Just I, here's the thing about that match. I don't know if everyone had like a hawked loogie every time they got hit in the mouth, but I never watched so much spit fly in a match. Like when you get hit mm-hmm. and like they turn their head and they, everyone was saying like, how much are those teeth? Or are those just not a lot of spit? But I mean, they, they sold everything, but it was cool watching them tease each other um, and try to get at each other just, you know, when they're tagging in and out and all that. But it was, that was amazing. That was a, again, both teams get cheered for quite, quite well. And then, uh, for them to prevail. It was, it was great. I, I really, I mean, it, I spent more time watching the fans reaction to the match than I did the match just because it was. Now the next one's a discussion one. topic. And I want to see if you agree with me. Is MJF the best heel in the business right now? He sold me. <laughs> see, said, he, you can't even he disagree. Said, He's he, so he good. Said, he said everything that I would expect a heel to say to be really, He's Hated. so good. You, you want to know what's crazy? He's never done an interview out of character. And when he was six years old, he was on the Rosie O'Donnell show 
for his singing abilities. And it, oh, wow. she asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a professional wrestler. Wow. I did not. No, I was, I was sold because he came out the whole kiss the ring gimmick. And no, that's actually, he, he was like that when he was six as well. Okay. okay. I, I, I'm just saying like it, you know, it, it makes you hate everyone. And then the stuff he said about Elvis. Yes. Right. Uh, and, and he wasn't the only one of the night that did that, but I mean, he, he did everything. And then like, I think he was live tweeting when DDP came out. Yes. So, uh, DDP so that, came out and was like talking shit and, and promoting himself. And promoting it. And MJF is, is in the corner, like leaning on the, the ring, uh, in the corner like leaning on it and he's live tweeting when will this old guy stop talking <laughs> and that's what you gotta do though you got i mean it's funny because like at the redeemed wrestling show i went i was able to be backstage when the, the head guys were talking to the wrestlers about the, the show and stuff and and you know it was really cool to see how passionate these owners and operators are of this company because you know they said your 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 gimmick, your storylines—they don't stop when the match, when the bell rings. You need to sell it all the way in, all the way out. And he goes, "Some of you guys need to sell it even after the show." You know, he goes, "I know you got fans, but can you know?" He's like, "Work through it." He goes, "If you want to carry this, you want to make it serious. You end up like MJF, where you take it that distance. Use your Twitter accounts. You know, keep going with the character. Do it before, during, and after, and it makes it." And it makes it believable, like overly believable for the fans. And not that it shouldn't or that it should. You know, I'm just saying like when when stuff's going down, you know, the fans are like, oh, man, did you see so-and-so do this? He's so No one's going to talk about that if they know that stuff's already predetermined or this or that. I mean, but you can sell the character before, during and after like he was doing. It it, it fits. And for him to do it on the heel side of things, it, it was really good in my in my eyes so so the last match of the night was the best friends versus jurassic express what's your thoughts on orange cassidy chuck taylor and trent didn't no one really cared about the best friends guys until orange cassidy popped in there and then the crowd actually gave a shit about that team and of course you know what what's the name of the other group jurassic have express Jurassic Express. Arguably <laughs> one of the best gimmicks I've seen. And you want to know here's something really cool? <laughs> Dusty Rhodes gave Luchasaurus that gimmick before he died. Oh, really? Yep. He come out. He well, it's cool that. because it uh, doesn't, uh, I might be, does CFX do the mask for that? Probably. I think so. I think um, he which did is really his cool. and Marco's mask. He's huge in person, but then you pair him with two guys that are tiny compared to him. And they get smaller as they go. Yeah. It, it was it was fun to watch. They they obviously were the the thing to watch it on that um, for sure. And I enjoyed it though. And then you know it's a they're nice. They're so little... over. They're so over. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's, I enjoyed it. Luchasaurus is literally the guy a guy the size of Kane doing backflips. Hmm. And I like how they use Marco as a weapon, <laughs> like gorilla oh, pressing him into people. Uh, throwing well, him. you know, he does that, and then he does the floss, so that gets all the kids involved, and then yeah. he just likes to, you know, go in there and try to. He's very cause evasive. A ruckus. You know what I mean? Like, he's, just, yeah, his entire wrestling style is okay. They're gonna throw me. I'm gonna attack, and then I'm gonna be evasive. I'm gonna slide, and I, and I, I like to see his progression from the first episode of Dynamite to now because the guy's gotten so much better. He's learning as he's going. And he's really honing in that skill of that the way that you have to be 
when you're 115 pounds and you're five foot three in a professional wrestling promotion. Man, I tell you what, he looks like he's three foot tall in the ring too. Oh, I bet, <laughs> I especially like, whenever uh, paired up with Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle yeah, Jack. Yeah, my son. Well, when when your son's asking you how old that kid is in the ring, you know, twenty three. MJF is twenty three as well. Isn't that crazy that MJF's twenty three and he has that much talent? Yeah. So. Ending, we got to see two really cool wrestlers, uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho, uh, Les Champions, go in the middle of the ring and do the, one of the coolest segments I've seen in a very long time, and would John Moxley join the inner circle? And we all know he wasn't going to, but the fact that they ended it with him saying, nope, just kidding proceeds to smash a little bit of the bubbly on his head and then take the keys to the Ford GT and then walk up the fucking ramp with the fans and then hold the keys up and start dangling them? Like, come on, Mox. You thought you were over before, man. You just owned the world. <laughs> like, it was such a cool fucking ending. And what was that like being there in person? Uh, it was cool, like... You know, if I could compare the two shows, so here's the thing. Going to SmackDown on a Friday night and then going to – on a Friday night, okay, this should be really happening on a Friday night, you know. Um, then going to AEW on Wednesday, it was night and day. WWE, you know, when they hit a commercial on a live show, it goes dark and it gets buzzkill real quick. It doesn't matter what hype's going on. It's like, hey, a commercial for whatever, and you're kind of like, then they have to bring it back up and you have to gear back up like you didn't stop. And it's eight to ten minutes later for these stupid commercials. Whereas AEW, like TJ was texting me, says, oh, it's picture in picture, man. So if it, other than some cut side promos or some little video packages, they keep going. They keep you involved. They keep the hype going. Um, you know, the um, announcer will keep stuff going. So it, it was great being there live. But the atmosphere, although a third or fourth the size of SmackDown as like fan-wise and arena-wise, like you're going from the FedEx Forum to the Lander Center, you know, that's that's a big difference. But one's it's, sold out and one's not. Right. But when I, yeah, and and but it was, I would rather put my money I would have rather paid to see AEW than I would have got my free tickets for WWE. I'll put it that way. There we go. And that, that the proof's so, in the pudding. And, you know, it's not yeah. to compete. It's an alternative. And that's something that Cody has said all the time. And they're they're far from being in competition. But let's just – I'm just going to say it right now. They're shitting on NXT in ratings. They are completely shitting on them. And I think that, honestly, that this company is the next WCW. And they're not going to make the same mistakes – because honestly, I don't see Tony Khan forking off, for, forking over millions of dollars to have WWE talent come over. And that's going to segue into our next portion, which is AEW just signed the body guy himself, Brian Cage, who was recently uh, finished his contract with Impact Wrestling. And now when I say the body guy, if you guys don't know who Brian Cage is, He's like the next best physique I've seen since Scott Steiner. The guy's massive, and it's exactly what AEW needs in their roster right now to go up against the guys the size of Dustin Rhodes, Jake Hager, and Wardlow. Like, the, this is, you're about to create 
an awesome mid card. I mean, these aren't main event guys, but these are like mid card workers that will seriously put on a good fucking show. And having Brian Cage come in and just fucking clean house, like hell yeah. What, what do you what do you think about having a body guy like that in AW? As long as long as they can just give him something to bank off of. I mean, because for a while there, I mean, WWE's done it before. Different people have done it before, and I just really wasn't impressed with certain wrestlers. Like you know, when you had uh, what was it Sean Stasiak? Yeah. In WCW, and then again, it's just like you got these, and the, the, they got no no personality, you know, or. And it, it, it'll work if you have the right team helping them get their story or their gimmick across. But, you know, I think we're past that. You could have the best physique, but everything else has to come in a package. You know, otherwise, it just doesn't. Brian's a former anything. Impact World Champion. And uh, yeah. he's pretty and fucking cool. Yeah. I would like to see Joey Ryan come over to AEW. You know who that is? That's uh, Mr. Dong Flip. That's the guy where he makes you grab his dick and then he flips you with it. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Never, no. <laughs> nah. Nah, bro. Nah. That'd be so cool on national television, especially to have Orange Cassidy versus Joey Ryan. The battle oh, yeah. of the gimmicks. <laughs> Will it, how can he touch his dick if his hands are in his pockets the whole time? Oh, my. Right? Right? <laughs> anyway, to finish off this episode, let's talk about Hard to kill pay-per-view and Tessa Blanchard becoming the first woman to win a promotions world heavyweight championship with her beating Sammy, Sammy Callahan in an amazing match at hard to kill makes history made history. Hell yeah. And of all people to be the daughter of Tolly Blanchard and to go in there and do that by, and she, you know, when she first started wrestling, she didn't even tell her father. Yeah. She did it like all low key. So like she earned this shit and to be somebody at the forefront of this mixed gendered wrestling and then to win a champ championship like this, like, come on. Uh, Do you want me to play this? Sure. Okay. So Corey just sent me this promo of the year. (laughs) It It is. Oh God! Here we go. It's our truth. So this should in be... the ring with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, so we don't like. I normally don't play WWE content, but okay, here we go. If it will work, I'm just saying the way it's been tweeted out, and it's only been out for a few minutes. It's just like, yeah, you got to play this. <laughs> what the fuck? Of course, we're having technical difficulties whenever it's supposed to be working. What the fuck? Oh, I got to follow. I just don't know. I'm not signed into Twitter, which is why it's not. Uh, Oh, I can try to play. I just don't know how to pick up through my. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, Do you want me to try to play and see what it sounds like? Here, (laughs) I'll just do this. <laughs> what the fuck? Look at him, bong hit. I'm not in the Royal Rumble match. You step into the Royal Rumble match, you're going face to face 
<laughs> okay, okay. My bad. <laughs> For the first time ever, the 24-7, 48-7, 7 11 I-95 South and Kentucky European TV champion is officially undeclaring. <laughs> 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 you talk a lot, Paul. It's like your mouth got a motor on it. You keep it going on and on and on and on and oh. And you begin to weigh all the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck does he say? Sioux Falls City. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Okay, so that was entertaining as fuck. Uh, yes. Okay, so we're going to end this wonderful episode of the Jerk the Curtain podcast with a little plug. So, as a friendly reminder that the Jerk the Curtain podcast is part of the Dewback Podcast Network, featuring great podcasts such as Box Office Banter, Dewback Sports, Gorenmore, Jerk the Curtain, Rabbit Hole, the TJ Bowser Power Hour, Wicked Wednesdays, and the Coroner's Report. All wonderful podcasts that can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, your source for pop culture, dobackdiscussion.net. Also, head on over to our Tee Public store and search Dubak Discussion and find our hot fucking swag if you don't want to look like a pussy the rest of your life. So, with that being said, this is your host with Le Motherfucking Most, TJ Bowser, signing off. Guys, this is your Mid-South Maniac, Corey Kaufman, the one and only. See you guys soon. I'm signing off.